healing and mindset coach for high achieving black women who are ready to start their healing journey and stop the pain of unhealed trauma, whether it's from childhood, relationships, workplace trauma, uh, generational trauma, and even of course, societal trauma, AKA discrimination, white toxicity and, and all of the above. And what I do with my clients, I actually show them their brain. And I know that sounds so crazy, but it's so sexy when you know how your brain is operating and showing them their brains and helping them with thought work is helping them to understand and not only just understand, but also become aware of and then unlearn those old limiting beliefs and that self-sabotage and learn new ways of thinking and being rather than doing. Wow, that sounds amazing already. Um, what, what, if you don't mind me asking, what caused you to select this industry? Why, why do you feel such a calling or a passion towards this area? Good. So this is Tea Time with Melissa. This is episode 23, and we're going to get started. All right, let's go. Awesome. Hi, Tracy. How are you? I am doing absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I hope you are as well. I am amazing. Amazing. Today has been an awesome day. I cannot complain, but I am so delighted. And it's probably because I was, I approached this day with great anticipation of this afternoon. And I know that the listeners are going to get some really meaty uh, content and information out of our conversation today. So I just cannot wait. So Coach Tracy. Yes. Tell me what you do. Tell the listeners what you do. I am a trauma healing and mindset coach for high achieving black women who are ready to start their healing journey and stop the pain of unhealed trauma, whether it's from childhood, relationships, workplace trauma, uh, generational trauma, and even, of course, societal trauma, aka discrimination, white toxicity, and, and all of the above. And what I do with my clients, I actually show them their brain. And I know that sounds so crazy, but it's so sexy when you know how your brain is operating and showing them their brains and helping them with thought work is helping them to understand and not only just understand, but also become aware of and then unlearn those old limiting beliefs and that self-sabotage and learn new ways of thinking and being rather than doing. Wow, that sounds amazing already. Um, what, what, if you don't mind me asking, what caused you to select this industry? Why, why do you feel such a calling or a passion towards this area? Well, first of all, I love my sisters. And no matter what society would want us to believe about ourselves, we are freaking amazing. We are truly <laughs> Black magic, okay? Black, and I mean Black magic in the most positive sense because if you know anything about the color Black, Black magic, white, 
anything white is good, anything black is bad. So you got black magic. You got to tell a you can tell a little white lie, but if you tell another lie, it's a black lie. Uh, you, anything we it's associated with black is always negative. And even when we think about what Malcolm X said with black women being the most disrespected, the most unprotected, um, we we have been and we are. So it meant so much for me, especially after um, George Floyd's uh, murder, um, which we're coming up on a year um, pretty soon. Wow, it I can't believe really, it's been a year. I know, right? Yeah. It's, it was really evident to me then that I needed to focus all of my energy on centering our feelings as Black women centering our needs, centering our wants, centering our pain. Because many times we've been told that those things are not valid for us, that we don't have, we don't necessarily have the privilege to feel. Hence the strong black woman, the angry black woman tropes that have been um, put on us. And unfortunately, some of us have actually bought into some of those, especially the strong black woman to our own detriment, because we've carried so many um, things on our shoulders that we're, we don't even have anything in our own cup to pour out from for, for ourselves. And then the angry black woman trope that we are, have been um, stereotyped to have, everybody else can be angry but us. And we got more reason to be angry than anybody. <laughs> I'm, it's, anger is a feeling. It's an emotion. Why is it that everyone else can, can be upset? But when I'm upset and I'm passionate about how I feel, I'm labeled as being angry in a bad way. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. And then also seeing how deeply rooted the trauma that we deal with, whether it's generational trauma from the things that we inherited from, that we learn from our, our mothers and our, our fathers and, and the people that um, raised us, but also the ancestral trauma that we deal with that's um, actually um, coded on our DNA, the, our epi epigenetics. And then we also go to work and every day we are we don't know when we're going to have a microaggression. Someone's going to gaslight our feelings or someone's going to uh, we're going to have to be dealt with. Um, and I hate to use the word, but tone, tone deaf. But it, it is a term that's out there because it's so not nice when we're because we have uh, our deaf sisters and brothers. So when I say tone deaf, it's it's not the nicest word, but I have to find another one. But when we're dealing with all of that, we need someone that we can go to and have be in a safe space to be able to let our guard down and know that you're not going to be judged, know that you're going to be understood, know that your feelings are going to be validated, know that you are centered, you are worthy. That's why. Okay. So tone deaf, that's interesting. And I know that you said you don't like that and you want to find another, and I'm sure you will find another word to use in the place of that. But elaborate on that a little bit. What does that mean um, for the Black race? What does that mean in the workplace? Um, in, in the Black race? Absolutely. And, and it doesn't just happen in the workplace. It happens uh, we could simply be in the grocery store and it could, someone could actually um, criticize us for our emotions, um, for how we feel. Um, 
it basically what's happening is we can say, um, let's say that the statement is um, police. I, I really don't like police um, or I really don't like um, the way the, the 45's administration is because they've done this, 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 and that. Well, someone could say, whoa, ain't you, aren't you taking that a little too far? Um, <laughs> just because you don't like it doesn't mean that that's the way it is and such and such and such. So basically they're trying to take away the validity of your statement. So mm -hmm. makes you second get, wait a minute. Did, so, wait a minute. You start to second guess yourself. Mm -hmm. You start to minimize who you, what you feel, what you know to be true for you. And that's what tone policing, when someone is tone deaf, um, is um, sort of like gaslighting where, um, and they're, they're similar, but they're not the same. Um, and it, it shows up a lot because especially in, in workplaces is where we see it a lot, but we can see that also in our own relationships with the men and women that we connect with. We've learned what that means because of it. it's been done to us so much. Okay. Okay. That I told y'all that this is going to be good. Ms. Coach Tracy is going to educate us today. I just know it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> So speaking of um, our emotions and um, the ability to feel or give ourselves permission to um, express our emotions, <clears throat> excuse me, um, why do you feel or what is your personal opinion or professional opinion, I should say, because you are a professional practitioner, what is your professional opinion as to why um, our emotions, and when I say our Black women, mm -hmm. are deemed um, sometimes unprofessional, sometimes, like you said, um, we're labeled as angry Black women. Um, why do you think that that is the case? And how can we change that amongst, because I mean, we're not in this world alone, right? Mm -hmm. um, we have to be able to connect and communicate with people from other um, races, cultures, backgrounds, um, things of that nature, by still being comfortable in our skin. But why do you think that that is or has become a thing, I guess I could say? It's very deeply rooted in historical trauma, aka um, post-traumatic slave syndrome. When you can control someone's emotions and how they show up, you have the upper hand. And it is so deeply rooted in what was happening to our ancestors um, when they were on the plantations. If you've ever seen um, Roots, um, which I've never seen, I've heard about it. I can't watch it. Okay. I did force myself to watch Underground and I actually enjoyed it. Um, not from the perspective of what they went through, but from right. I learned so much about the struggle of my ancestors. It took me a while because mm -hmm. I would get so upset. Mm -hmm. But because we, our emotions were controlled from the time they took a whip and punished us for being human. 
So to take our emotions away, it's basically taken out away our ability to be a human being. Mm -hmm. And then we become basically like a puppet. You get to pull my chain, but I can't respond. Puppets don't have emotions, but they do exactly what you want them to do. If I have that much control over you and I also have control over the socioeconomics of this world in this country, how powerful does that make me against you? Those are the things that are used against us to keep us quote unquote in our place. So if I'm not able to express displeasure because why is there no happy black woman syndrome? There's only an angry black woman or angry black man syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to be happy, but I can't be angry because if I'm angry, that means that who are you angry at? Does that mean that I have to actually deal with the fact that I am the source? Mm. That's something that I did caused you to be hurt, caused your pain, caused your anger. So as long as I can make you think that you are the problem, I don't have to deal with the actual problem, which could simply be me. Hmm. So when you think of it from that perspective, it, ta- it makes us powerless. What does it also do? If I take your power away and your voice away here, you're going to be upset and that's going to make home living, relationships and everything else that you touch volatile. Because where are you going to be able to take out that frustration? Where do we typically take that frustration out of? How many times have you come home from work? And you've had a very stressful day. Maybe you were shut down in the meeting. Maybe someone took your idea. Maybe just maybe you just have a rude person who just is so hateful and just filled with with meanness. And you have nowhere to let that energy go. And you get home and you've got to take care of your kids. If you have kids, if you have a significant other or, or spouse or whatnot, you are there. And the first thing they say to you you jump straight down their throats, discord in the home. Now you've got discord in the home. Mm -hmm. He's mad, she's mad, everybody's mad. And then what happens? Sometimes it becomes physically abusive. Sometimes it becomes verbally abusive. And then we've got this whole cycle where we have a whole race of people who are angry at each other, where I'm over here, and I'm just looking and I'm going, do you see those folks over there? It's control and power. Because if we are able to tap into our feelings and at your energy, and you can see it now, when you see um, people talking about anti-racism, if you look at some of the posts and you see the pushback, nobody, they don't want to own the, the, the damage that they've done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it's so it, it's so deeply rooted in the white toxicity. It's so deeply rooted in capitalism. It's re- re- rooted in misogyny and so many other things. 
but that's why it's um, it's done. How do we work through it? We mm-hmm. have to we have to understand also what our triggers are. Why are we being triggered by such and such and such and such? Once we understand that, we can determine whether or not it is viable for us to have this emotion. And there's nothing wrong with being angry. Anger, God was angry quite often in the Bible. If God, if we were created in his image (laughs) and he could be angry, we can be angry also. You said something that's so important. We all, we're living in this world together. Well, we are living in this world together. Why should we have to be forced to change to accommodate someone else's way of living? What has to happen doesn't necessarily happen, has to happen on our side. What needs to happen is that we need to have compassion. We need to have people who are accepting of the fact that anger is a valid emotion that we have and they Mm -hmm. connect with why they are triggered by my emotion because it's my emotion Mm. okay well that's good that's good i also i always um encourage um in the conversations and i think it's important Uh, for these conversations that we have in order for them to be meaningful. I think it's important to encourage um, the um, discussion of the whys and the where it's from and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of those. I think, uh, I think it's time out. And I did, and I said this in, in a recent training that I did, it's really time out for, um, I don't know, or I didn't know for ignorance. It, that's no longer, you know, acceptable, you know, <laughs> there, it's just no longer acceptable. And so um, even when it comes down to having conversations that can um, be um, difficult, I mean, they could be seen, they could seem to be difficult in terms of, because anytime you're, you're dealing with emotionals, manners of the heart, um, reflective, um, things that you have to look within, um, those are sometimes difficult conversations to have, but they are conversations that must be had. So exactly. and I always want to, yes, definitely encourage because we're, yeah, we are not walking, walking this earth alone. God has created man in his image, like you said. And so all of us are in his image. And so we have to um, work together to to be able to communicate effectively. Um, Even if someone comes from a different background, culture, Mm -hmm. social economic status, it's important for that individual to take the time to want to learn about another person's background, culture, economic status in order to be able to effectively communicate with them. So, Exactly. And I just want to say also, I don't exclude us from that learning process also. I also encourage us to also look at why we were triggered. 
because sometimes the anger that we have isn't even triggered by what actually happened in that moment. It mm. could go so much deeper than that. The reason why we're triggered. Are we triggered because maybe our father or our mother or a teacher or a significant other said something the, the way that this person said it in the tone or um, something like that. Sometimes the anger that we have or the feelings or whatever it may be um, is not necessarily even from that perspective. So we also have to learn some level of self-awareness so that we can actually start that healing process. However, I do think when, when the question was, why is that? A lot mm -hmm. of it had to do with the people not really wanting to um, change the status quo because to be realistic and to be quite honest, Black people, Black women in particular, we have been the labor and are the producers of the labor. So if we are also, and because back in during slavery, there were actually places where they actually had women who were basically impregnated to create the labor, to do the labor on the plantations. Mm -hmm. So when you've had that type of uh, trauma mm -hmm. um, on you and inside you, there is... And remember, we have epigenetics. So that pain of giving birth to a child and having to let it go and it, you never see that child again, um, we have every right to our, our anger. And I would even say we also have right to what um, one of my writers, uh, Ricky Cooper, would say in Eloquent Rage. Mm -hmm. Now, you, we want to make sure that our another reason why I love uh, tea time with Melissa because I utilize this platform uh, for an opportunity to educate. Um, my audience is um, diverse in both um, age, culture, mm. um, demographics, and all of that. And so I want to definitely make sure that we are educating the um, people that are listening. So you you um, said a term that I want you to define for us. Uh, we don't want to assume that everyone listening understands and knows. Mm -hmm. um, you said epigenetics. And so um, give us a, a, a very simple definition of how what that means and how it is used in society today. Okay, great. Epigenetics is basically um, the study of how um, our behaviors and our environment change, um, can change the effect the way our genes work. It's not so much that our genes are actually changed, but the way they work. Um, also with epigenetics, because they're not actually changing the genes, it's actually reversible. It doesn't change our DNA sequence um, any, or any, anything like that. So if you think of it, it's almost like the difference between nature and nurture. Um, nature is genetic and epigenetic is nurture, um, if you want to think of it from that perspective. So basically what I'm saying is the, um, the oppression of 400 plus years of slavery for um, African-Americans and um, African descendants and even the oppression of our um, indigenous sisters and brothers um, and others. Even if you were uh, someone who um, lived through the Holocaust, you're more than likely going to have um, epigenetics. 
um, going on with your behaviors in your environment, right? Because it went on for so long, it actually changed that DNA sequence mm. because of behavior and environment. So that's where that um, the nature and nurture can can help you to understand that. Okay, very good, very good. Because of behavior and environment, wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful. Okay, well let's let's continue to talk. We're going to take just a quick little break here and time for our sponsors and then we're going to be right back i told you guys it's going to be really good you're going to learn a whole lot so if you didn't have your pad and pencil out at the start of this um, call or this podcast you (laughs) might want to take it out now and take some notes because coach tracy is going to lay it down so we will be right back after this (laughs) that's awesome and we are back. Thank you so much for taking that little brief uh, pause with us. We still have Coach Tracy here, and she is laying down some absolute gems here um, and educating us on the work that she does in terms of coaching individuals um, who have experience with trauma. So basically, from what Coach Tracy has given us, and, and Coach Tracy, you just let me know if I'm off balance here but anyone could be your client there is not a anyone who is of color in terms of african-american descent um indigenous people um descent um any one of those populated people can be your client because all of those people have experienced epigenetics if they identify as black if they identify as black. And that is a great point. That is the topic of another podcast. Mm-hmm. But that is <laughs> but that is a great point because if they do not, then of course they wouldn't feel like they've been oppressed in any way. Um, yeah, absolutely. There was something that you said that I wanted to bring back up on this side and I'm sure it'll come back out Um something that you mentioned during the break and we were talking about it, but, oh, yes, yes, yes. You were talking about, and I want you just to elaborate on it because I find it very interesting as I continue to study, you know, and research where we are and where we're trying to go as a people and what needs to happen as a community and then as a country and then, you know, on larger, even larger than that in terms of um, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, making sure that all people are included in all matters um, Mm -hmm. in terms of um, race, cultural, ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic status, um, disabilities or or inabilities or limitations, however you want to term that. Um, It is, I find it so very interesting that what always comes up in a diversity training that I did, what came up at the end as, we all were reflecting in what the conversations that we had had, what the the information that had gone forth, um, the knowledge that was laid out, um, the the whole um, educating of a people or peoples um, in that room and what 
was a um, what became of some of the conversations that we had was some learnings in terms of connecting the dots mm-hmm. from slavery to now certain things. And one was absence, um, absence of the father in the black home. Mm. And we had some discussion about that and how um, that was introduced during slavery as the fathers were stripped away from their families. And so it now has become very comfortable for a black man to not be in the home in some some respects um, with his family because of what has happened in slavery and how that was almost, it was a light bulb that went off in Mm -hmm. some of the individuals in the room in terms of making that connection. And so Mm -hmm. it's something that you said during the break, you said much of what we experience in our culture has um, come from slavery. And it's very interesting to me that over 400 plus years, how you can still relate that back to slavery, still all of this time, that I find that quite interesting. It is, and it's amazing. Um, I'm going to be doing a a clubhouse on uh, Black Mean Girls on a few weeks, um, May 25th, and one of the reasons why we hear that um, many of our sisters are not um, supporting one another, not empowering one another, not lifting each other up um, and not being nice to each other. And we, we, many people are like, why are we so mean to each other? Now, first of all, I wanna make sure that this is uh, unsaid. It's not that we are so mean to each other. It's what is, um, what do you call it? You hear it in the media, or that's what people want us to believe that we are very mean to each other. We're no mean to each other than anyone else. However, there is a difference in the way that we sometimes treat each other. And a lot of it does, it is rooted in slavery, for instance. When you've been separated Mm -hmm. from people Mm -hmm. that you were close to, your family, your friends, if you're on a plantation, you could be sold at any moment. Right. So how do you learn how to develop sound friendships, sound relationships, when everything that you have known can be taken away from you and is taken away from you? So you expect people to be able to know what it means to, one, be a friend, two, what that even looks like, because most of us don't necessarily know what that looks like, and three, we expect people to be able to just take their the trauma that they've experienced and it not show up in that relationship. So what happens is when you have these friendships that are already both of us, and I'm not saying that our counterparts don't have trauma. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that they have the opportunity to develop friendships and understand what a real friendship looks like. They had the opportunity to uh, live and be educated without being possibly killed for learning how to read. They had the 
opportunity. So no one was preventing them and no one was elevating, putting, putting them on the pedestal or making it seem as if they were better than another person, which typically happened. Oh, we have the, and I hate to use this word, we have black slaves that can read over here and we have um, black slaves that can't. So there's already separation. Mm -hmm. That did not happen in uh, white community, in white lives. Everybody had access to education. Those black slaves that could read had to read to the ones that couldn't. And sometimes because they could read, there was elevation that they not necessarily chose, but was given to them, but it also became divisive. So how do you have friends when there's divisiveness that keeps you separated from the people that you want to be the closest to? And your goal is survival. Our counterparts weren't living in survival mode. So when we hear the crab and the mentality um, mindset, when and also uh, business growth and helping one another. It's not because that's something that we just, we just, that was who we are. That's what we learned because that's what was created for. If you've heard, read the Willie Lynch letter, that's exactly what they use to keep us separated. And it's yeah. still working today. Yeah. And that, that is what really, just blows my mind because of the generations that has come and gone and we're still fighting that battle so to speak if that makes sense that yeah that because is what it's is about <laughs> it is, me, that is just a lot <laughs> it's a lot my mom is 74 years old and my mom still has the mentality that um we need to be quiet and just let things happen mm -hmm. okay. in some things. Mm -hmm. Now, if it means mm -hmm. cleaning her street where she lives, she's going to go talk to the city council. But mm -hmm. if it means getting into a position where she has to basically truly fight for a socioeconomic right that uh, is going to cause her to buck the system, so to speak, she will always default to, you know, they, they, they've got the power. They've got the power. They've got mm -hmm. the power. Just let them do what they're going to do. We don't want to mm -hmm. get hurt. We don't want to cause any trouble. Whereas you have uh, millennials or even you would call, I guess I'm a baby boomer. Mm -hmm. We were like, no, 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 no. You're going to mm -hmm. hear us, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. our millennials. Um, but that's, she's 74. I was looking, I was reading a, a blog post where, I don't even know if it was a blog post, but it was an article where it was three generations, a mother, a daughter, and her grand, and the, 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 the mother's mother. So great mm -hmm. grandmother, mother, and daughter. Mm -hmm. And you could see how different the mindset was in the comments. The one, the, the daughter was ready for change. The mother wanted a little change, but there's this part of her that was, I cannot disrespect my mother. So she would go just far enough where it wouldn't make her mother upset. Now her mother was like, no, that's just the way it was. That's mm -hmm. just the way it is. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how that mindset is still, and actually not only just a mindset, but the actions still work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if we don't change it, the root cause of it from the, if we don't start changing the mindset so that we can start creating different behaviors so that we can start changing the environment, mm-hmm. that DNA sequence that it's, it's changed due to epigenetics, mm-hmm. it's going to continue which is why it's so important that we understand the thought work. It's also so important while we understand how our past is showing up in our present so that we can unlearn those things. Yeah, that, that's, that to me is amazing in itself. And it, it creates, um, definitely creates opportunities for, for us to be able to, tackle as a people um there's more than enough (laughs) there's more than enough um chances for us to work together there's there's more than enough information there's more than enough knowledge Mm -hmm. in terms of where we're from and and why we can connect it back to slavery and how we can um change things i mean there is just it's it's like i said it's so much but it just is to me just mind boggling to, to know that after generations of, of, of people, mm-hmm. these things are still passed on in behavior, why we do things the way that we do and, and how do we break that cycle? So I guess that is, and you, you, you talked somewhat about that, you know, breaking that cycle because it does just become just a vicious cycle that we find ourselves in and we're looking out um, and not seeing how we can make this world a better place, you know, for all. Um, so that I just find that just very interesting. So as you have clients, as your clients, a person comes to you, is there a certain um, philosophy methodology that you will use to help someone to identify those areas of trauma to, to kind of help them move forward? How do you begin that process? with helping someone? Oh, great question. Uh, Yes, I do have a framework. My framework is called grace. That's actually what we actually uh, learn, but to identify what is actually going on before we even get to um, implementing that framework is mm-hmm. I really do a deep dive into um, their, their history. I use a couple of um, psychological tests. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if you would call them psychological, but I use the disc personality test. Mm-hmm. I use the um, adverse childhood experiences um, survey. Um, I also use a, a character assessment and we do a, the probably the first um, four weeks of uh, connecting as coach and coachee, we mm-hmm. do a deep dive into who they are more importantly, who they believe they are. Because <laughs> a lot of the times who we believe we are is not the truth of who we who are. We are. <laughs> exactly. Right. And many of us are living with ideals about ourselves that someone else has told us mm-hmm. based on their own trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we absorb it to be truth because 
that's it's our caretakers that usually give it to us. It's the people that we mm-hmm. look up to, our authority figures, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a pastor, whether it's uh, uh, even a police officer, whether it's mm-hmm. um, our mother, grandma, mm-hmm. Medea, whomever it may be. So we unpack that information. Um, did you grow up with your 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 parent, mother and father? Was your mm-hmm. mother absent? Was your dad absent? Tell us about your childhood as you were growing up. So we get into that information. And I always, always, because my goal is to be trauma sensitive, to do no harm. It's a safe space, but I also am very, very cognizant that um, my clients may also uh, be triggered. So we always, always, anytime there's always I can't do this done. We don't go any further because the goal is to make sure that they're safe, that they are not going to be triggered in a way that could cause them harm or someone else. Mm-hmm. So typically my clients have done some type of therapy or some type of coaching or a combination of both before they come to me, because there aren't a lot of trauma um, healing um, coaches specifically that work with black women. Um, so it's, you, that's typically where we work. And then from there, I use different modalities. It could be, um, I like to use energy healing modalities such as um, emotional free and tapping, which is uh, extremely powerful. I use breath work. I'm, our breath is our life. Mm-hmm. God um, blew, gave us the breath of life. Right. When you can tap into your breath, um, it's a, a wonderful experience and it can release so many um suppressed emotions. I, I love to use holotropic um, breathe breath work, um, box breathing. We also use meditation. I've used uh, dance therapy. Um, this weekend, I'm actually going to um, go through a certification with Bernadette Pleasant to bring a little bit more uh, the femme dance therapy to my clients. Um, so I'm always increasing my um, uh, my toolbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are just some of the things. And my framework is grace. And um, the company name is Planet to Flourish because I believe that God planted us on this on this earth to flourish like the palms of Lebanon. And if we are planting the seeds, we have to know that it's going to take time. We can't plant a seed today and expect it to grow tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I, it's a six-month program, and that's the minimum. It usually takes my clients anywhere from 12 to 18 months to really um, unearth and actually acknowledge, accept, and have restoration and renewal and sometimes rebirth on the backside of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, grace stands for gratitude because black women have never been taught to be grateful for themselves we've told to be self um we've been taught that being selfish meant to give everything that we have and not to be concerned with ourselves and that's not just from a societal perspective that came from also from some people have taken it from a biblical perspective that we're supposed to give 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 um, and if we under, if we really understood our Bible, we would see that, yes, giving is better than receiving, but it does not say that we ever receive. And unfortunately, right. a lot of <laughs> us have, don't receive and we don't know how to receive. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the gratitude, helping them to understand that in self-acceptance. Also respect. It's not that we don't have respect for ourselves. It's just that some of the things that we have been overcompensating, overdoing and accepting has minimized the level of respect that we have. So the goal is to increase the level of respect because once you have a higher level of respect and gratitude for yourself, you're going to stop overcompensating. You're going to stop 
overdoing. You're going to stop um, accepting less than. You're going to start using your voice. As you get the gratitude and the respect, we also, it starts to awaken things inside of you that you didn't even know were there sometimes because we have pushed so many things down. We suppress so many emotions because we've been told we can't show those emotions. It awakens up an awareness in us uh, of who we truly are. And so we start to peel back those layers with much more ease. And then we start to actually learn how to cherish who we are, the good, the bad. And we're getting to that place where the ugly, we've done a good bit of inner work and now we're starting to work on the shadow work. Those parts of us that God, if anybody knew this about me, I'd absolutely just die. We probably already said those things. But self-love and self-acceptance are, once you get to that cherished part, you have pretty much got to that place where you are truly loving almost every part of you. But when you get to E, embrace, you are in the self-acceptance where you have done the shadow work or are doing the shadow work and you are accepting of those parts of you that aren't so pretty, not those parts um, those parts that you were previously ashamed of. Um, I know for me, my shadow work included, um, I uh, would get really, really angry, go from zero to a hundred and really, 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 really quickly. And I was so ashamed of that. And I had to understand that that's okay. If it happens, the, the thing is, what do I do afterwards? Mm-hmm. How do I show up for the person that, received that um, ugly temper. Well, I've learned how to tamper and temper that um, temper. Um, I'm 54 years young, so I've had some work, some practice at it, but those are the types of things when you get to that E part. So it's gratitude, respect, awake and cherish and embrace. Okay, I love it, I love it. So we are going to, you have given us so much great information and, and I want the listeners to know exactly how to reach you, how to to get in contact with you if they want to learn more. Um, So take some time, give us all of your social media handles, all of ways that we can contact or schedule some time with you. And then I have one final question to ask. So how can we get in? How can our listeners get in contact with you? Great question. And thank you so much for um, providing that opportunity for me to share that. All across the handles, Instagram, um, well, I said all across, it's not all of them, Instagram, YouTube, mm-hmm. and on Facebook, it's Planted to Flourish, and that's P-L-A-N-T-E-D-T-O-F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H. Um, you can also find me on Clubhouse, and it's Black Trauma Healer, B-L-K, Trauma Healer, all one word. Um, and on Twitter, it's Plant to Flourish because Planet to Flourish wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> and also my website is planettoflourish.com. Okay, awesome. Planettoflourish.com. So if they go there, they can definitely find out how to reach you, how to get in contact with you. Absolutely. Um, wonderful, Coach Tracy. This has been, I, I mean, just not enough time. Just not enough time. Um, and, and I'm going to have to have you, if you would allow me to, to have you back on for a part two, because I think in terms of, um, educating the masses, educating our people, it's a great, um, 
you know, opportunity for us to have conversations so that we know that, look, guess what? Yeah, you're not crazy. Um, <laughs> nope. You're, you're not crazy. And, and yes, you did see that. Or yes, you did hear that. And, and this is what you can do. Um, and I love that awareness, embracing. And I love grace. I love the acronyms for that. Um, they're all very important, especially for someone who is um, aware, self-aware, um, and mm-hmm. they're wanting to, you know, continue to move flo- forward and flourish. So I love that. So definitely, I'd love to have you back when you're not so busy, because I just know that you're doing a lot for the community and for the well, people that you, you so serve. Much. I Absolutely. would be honored. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Our final question. If there is one thing that you can say to encourage uh, the listeners, what would that be? The one thing that I would say is you matter. You matter and you are worthy. The fact that you are here that you're breathing in, that your name was on the arise list this morning (laughs) means that God is not done with you. He still has work for you to do. You still have purpose. And because he created you, your worth is inherent. It can't be increased. It can't be minimized. It is just what it is. You are 100,000 million percent worthy of every good thing. And know that also that you are where you are supposed to be today. Nothing has gone wrong. It may feel that way and things may not actually be the way you want them to be, but this is exactly where you're supposed to be so that God can use you and mold you and move you into where you want to be. He's just waiting on you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Coach Tracy, thank you so much. Um, This has been an absolute uh, pleasure of mine. And I cannot say that enough. This has been an absolute pleasure. And every time I get to spend time with you, it is truly an honor. I learned so much from you. Um, and I am just, I'm just grateful to have you in my life, um, my oh, professional life. You. I'm grateful because um, we definitely can, can learn and, and, and feed off of one another. And so I'm grateful. Thank I you. Grateful. I am as well. And when, when COVID lets up, we're going to mm-hmm. be able to give each other those big old hugs and hang out and really yes. connect on a personal level as well. Absolutely. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. All <laughs> right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in for Tea Time with Melissa today. I hope you learned much more than I did and you got a lot out of it, which is I'm sure you did. Um, we're going to be airing this podcast. And so I am just so excited to have this information out there to you, um, to educate you, and to also offer you just some practical information. It's not information that has to be kept a secret. It's not a secret, okay? Um, This is information that could be used by all. So I, again, thank you so much for being here with Tea Time with Melissa. I love you. Peace. Thank you again. All right. Thank you, Tracy. You're welcome.